Welcome to the Empower Podcast by Mitchell. I'm your host, Shelly Callahan. And today our guest is Mike Bishop, VP of Product and Technology. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Shelly. We'll be talking about all the latest and greatest in technology hitting the workers' comp industry. But first, everything's the age of automation now. Tell us a little bit about what you see changing in workers' comp. So I think, you know, first of all, any change that, that affects the workplace in the United States affects workers' comp, at least indirectly, right? The types of injuries that we see, um, you know, you've seen a lot more injuries lately that are related to sedentary behavior. More people are sitting at desks. You've seen a lot fewer injuries in the workplace over the last couple decades because the workplace has gotten safer. And I think jobs in general are safer today. The kinds of, of sort of the effects that technology has on the, the adjusting of workers' comp claims is very similar to what you see in the rest of the financial sector. But I think a difference is, is that it's a little slower, the adoption in workers' comp. And I think the reasons for that are a lot of them are good. It's not just that the industry is slow. It is that the industry has challenges that other industries don't. For one, it's very heavily regulated, but the, also the standards are higher. So the standards around privacy, security with anything that is healthcare related is much higher. And I think also the quality of the automation, that standard is a lot higher. And that one I think has a lot to do with how AI and other things are introduced into that industry because the margin for error is just so much smaller than it would be in other industries. If a new piece of AI comes out that's promising and you put that into a navigation app, you might, if you make a mistake, it means that somebody sits in traffic for five minutes longer. If you do that in a medical context, the consequences can be a lot more dire. So the way I think a lot of the, the, the same kinds of AI techniques can be applied to workers' comp, but it's done slightly differently. And the primary way that it's introduced is by allowing experts who already know what the right thing is to do it better, to do it you know, more, to kind of alleviate some of the more mundane things that they have to do and to allow them to really apply their expertise. So that can be identifying claims that require them to look, to look at it further. It means referring things with greater accuracy, just doing anything that you can to let the medical expert know what they need to do. So when we're thinking also about new technologies in the medical supply chain, I'm thinking about the Amazon effect. What are you seeing in that space? Yeah, you know, I think that if you talk to people in the group health or even in our industry and in workers' comp, we've all been a little bit surprised that mail order and that kind of distribution hasn't taken more hold than it, than it has. And I think you know, there are some good reasons for that. One of them, you know, there, there are complicating factors like prescriptions and those prescriptions run out. And that also people like going into their neighborhood pharmacy or grocery store and it's kind of a habit and they like talking to their pharmacist. I think some of it's born out of the fact that you, know, you have to remember that getting a bottle of pills is not the same thing as buying a pack of gum. Right, the pharmacist that hands you those pills is the medical provider who can provide advice. So there's an additional threshold there that you have to overcome in order to get people to, to, to go to something like mail order or something that is less personal. But I think overall, the demographics, I mean, you, as you have younger people entering the workforce, they are used to taking out their phone, clicking a button and having it appear on their doorstep the next day, kind of the Amazon effect that you're talking about. Right. And so you certainly see that trend moving on. I think from a technology standpoint, there are some things that can be done to facilitate that and to make it easier and also to make it better. I mean, one of the problems that you get with mail order is, is that you don't really know what's happened to a, to a bottle of pills on the way to your house. 
if it sits on a tarmac, if it sits on your doorstep, heat in those things can affect how a, how a drug actually interacts you know, once you take sure. it. So there are things like that with sensors that I think can be done to make that, a, a, from a quality perspective, a better process. I also think there's some interesting models like PillPack, which is a company that actually Amazon is invested in, where their model is, is that instead of just sort of, you know, repeating what you do in a retail pharmacy to get the bottle of pills, they actually take all the pills that you take, kind of manage all those prescriptions for you, including things like multivitamins or other pills that you take, and then they send you a box of, of pre-filled packets and all you do every day is just wake up and open up a packet no more filling out that sunday to saturday you know pill case it's all kind of done for you and i think those kinds of sort of consumer benefit things will will drive greater adoption to mail order and other kind of distribution channels whether it's group health or even in workers comp i couldn't agree more i i get my groceries from amazon now i get everything delivered yep. and so that that familiarity and that confidence with that supply chain, I think is increasing a lot to your point. It's, it's fascinating. Um, you know, part of that is data, right? We, everyone's been obsessed, data, data, data. Now that we have data, what do we do with it? Yeah, I think it's, it's felt like for about the last five years that we're right on the cusp, right? It always feels like right now, okay, now we've got all this data this is the year, now is the time. And it's been slower, I think, than a lot of people, people expect, particularly in our industry. And it's, it's what I talked about before, where the standards are pretty high, right? So, and, and I would pause for a second and say, I don't think that it's necessarily just insurance. I think it really is healthcare that is the, is sort of, it introduces the additional standard that can slow down adoption a little bit. So for example, Lemonade, a company that gets a lot of press today, you know, they provide renter's insurance and they do it all through chatbots and AI, everything from underwriting to actually filing a claim. But there again, if they get it wrong one out of a thousand times, that's going to be okay. That's not the case when you try to apply that in a healthcare context, right? So I think, again, the, the way that the AI is going to be introduced is really helping the experts along the value chain do their job better. So the types of data, and I think the things that you're already seeing start to get introduced, and that, of course, we are doing at Mitchell as well, is first notice of loss, right, on claim intake. If you can identify those claims early, the ones that are likely to go sideways, the ones that are likely to, to require special processing, that's a huge advantage, both from you know, everything from an economic advantage, but really most importantly, in terms of getting the patient back to work safely and as quickly as possible. I think on the, on the level of fraud detection, there's real promise around some of these more unsupervised learning techniques of machine learning, you know, the ones where you just kind of stick the AI at a data set and you say, identify for me cases that are unusual, that are atypical. And then from there, again, you can refer them to people to have another look. It's not necessarily that, the, that those algorithms are going to detect necessarily fraud or something that's going on that's wrong. It's just going to say, this looks different than anything that we've seen. Now let's have someone at least look at it, a human being, and understand why that's the case. And then the final one, which we're already doing on the pharmacy side at Mitchell, is using artificial intelligent techniques to figure out which cases you refer over to utilization review, peer review, doctor review. And what that's allowing is, is there's an economic aspect of that. You can't refer everything and you can't look at everything, but if the AI can start limiting the universe of things that you need to look at, there's a lot more that those professionals and those experts can do. 
That's fantastic. So then you have somebody with a lot of skill and a lot of experience spending their time where they need to be. Exactly. I love it. So kind of looking ahead in the next few years, because you're always a, a few years out, mm -hmm. um, what are you looking for? What is the next exciting thing? You know, I think there, there's a lot of stuff. There's augmented reality, the sensors that we already talked about there that, that are kind of that a lot of people are talking about now is kind of the next generation stuff. For me, the one that, that I think is the most interesting from a pharmacy perspective and a pharmacy workers comp perspective is blockchain. And, you know, that was one that got a lot of hype in 2018. Not a lot of, of not a lot was delivered around it, right? And so can, we, can we, for our audience, can you explain blockchain you a little bit more? So blockchain, probably most people have heard about blockchain in the context of cryptocurrencies, which is part of the problem. And I wish we probably as an industry need to stop referring to it as blockchain because of that negative connotation. Right. But at its heart, really what blockchain is, is a shared ledger. So they talk about it being decentralized and distributed. So the idea is that the ledger sits out somewhere out in the world. Anyone can get a copy of it. And the technology underneath the ledger is what ensures trust. So today, if you go share information, medical information, or for that matter, any kind of information, there is an entity that is really the guardian of that, of that information. And the problem with that is, is that that single entity then becomes a bit of a bottleneck. Anyone that needs to get access to that information needs to go integrate with that particular entity. But with a kind of the shared ledger, this blockchain, the technology ensures the trust. And so once it's set up, there are mechanisms to control who can see what's in the ledger, what they can see in the ledger. And so just to kind of play out a scenario for you, you could imagine, for example, a, a state fund or a state board um, mandating that whenever a worker's comp claim occurs at that kind of that first notice that you have to write that record to a blockchain if you're the insurance carrier. And then any medical provider that needs to get information about that case would then be granted that information that they need to see to perform their service. So in the case of pharmacy, we would be able to see all the things that are relevant for pharmacy. But the nice thing about that is, is that you don't have to build integrations to each party along the way, every party along the value chain, you just need to connect to that ledger. And the real advantage for us, as you know, that we, that we have a lot of challenge in, in pharmacy around is getting a complete and timely picture. And so if people are writing to this ledger, that means that you can really trust it. You can go to the ledger and say, this is what's happening on the claim right now. We would be able to see, for example, any pharmacy that had been filled by a third party. We would be able to see other kinds of medical activity on the claim and make a much, much more informed decision for the for the patient a single source of truth exactly that is timely and always updated that's fantastic when do we get that hopefully soon <laughs> i think on that one in a as a serious answer to that is right. that this is one that's going to take time yeah. and the scenario that i kind of brought out was the one about a, a, a government entity or someone mandating it sure. But I do think you're already seeing insurance companies embrace this on the reinsurance side, and there are a number of consortia around that are working on it. I think it'll be a longer term play, but when it comes, it'll come fast, and I think it could have a really positive impact. Yeah, it sounds incredible. Thank you, Mike, for all the technology insights, really fun stuff coming up, and uh, lots more white papers and articles from Mike, as well as other thought leadership pieces from experts all the way across Mitchell. Join us at Mitchell.com, and we look forward to seeing you soon. This is Shelly Callahan, powering down the Empower podcast by Mitchell. Join the conversation and read articles on our website, mitchell.com empower.